Welcome to Victory Fellowship's online podcast library. We hope that you enjoy this message today. You know, I remember when I was young, a young, like a teenager, young adolescent and involved in sports and stuff, there'd be times, and I don't know what, I don't know the scientific explanation of this, but there'd be times after, you know, being involved in physical activity that I'd have this, this really weird wave of hunger that would hit me. It was not normal, and it was almost like, you got to get something and shove it down your mouth right now, you know. I, and I, I, my mom would give me bananas or something, you know, whatever it was, whatever the wife's tale was at the time. But, um, you know, it was, it was real to me, and, you know, I felt it in my body. And um, there, there are seasons from the Lord when God will, will grace you with a, with a hunger for God. It's a gift from God. And, you know, one of the most dangerous places that we can be in as a Christian is in a place of apathy and lack of spiritual appetite. Um, it brings, it brings, you know, it brings lethargy, it brings all kinds of problems in our lives. So I'm, I'm just, Lord, I just pray that today, Lord, as we just, as we just take a, a few minutes, Lord, and we look at the scripture, Lord, I pray the word of God would awaken inside of us a hunger, Lord God, to search after you during these next in these next 17 days, Lord God, we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I wanted to mention one last thing. We still have a few gifts. We give um, presents to the poor children that can't get, don't get Christmas. And we've got a few boxes left. That's all these, what these represent. And there's instructions inside. So if you want to grab one and, and bless some of the poor um, community that we reach out to, that would be awesome at the end of the service. But I want to read today, I want to read Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. Um, one of the most powerful um, prophecies. This was written 700 years before Christ by Isaiah the prophet. And it's an incredible prophetic word about the coming of the Savior. Um, and he said in, in Isaiah 9:6, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor mighty God, everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Now, I want to I focus in this morning on those, those, first, those first couple of words where it says, for unto us, and I want to remove the unto. I want to just put the word for us. For us, a child is born. And even better, you could change it this morning and, and put it in a, a big capital M and a big capital E. For me, a child is born for me. Make it absolutely personal because that's, that's the truth. Christ became a man, a human being for me. Christ came to this earth with salvation in mind for me. It was personal. It wasn't an impersonal thing. And this, this, this is a revelation from God. When it's, when it's personal, your problems become smaller in your mind than they are because if God knows about you and cares about you and has a plan of redemption for your life, there's no problem too big and no hole that you've fallen into too deep that God can't reach you and bring you out and put his plan to pass in your life. So I wanna, this is, this is a blog that I, that I put out last week. I wanna check, check this out with me about for us. This verse captures the heart and the spirit of the Protestant Reformation. Now, the reason I say that is because 
the, the, the message, the main message of the Protestant Reformation is that you can be born again. That Christ, you don't need a priest to pray for you. That Christ is your priest. That you can come directly to God and have your sins forgiven and you can be born again. It changed our world. That revelation changed our worlds. That you have direct access by faith in Christ to the Lord God yourself. That you can call upon your name, that your prayers matter, that your prayers get through, that God hears the the cry of your heart and your prayer can make a difference and God can change your life. It was for me that he came. So this verse captures the heart and spirit of the Protestant Reformation. Christ was born for us. It was not an impersonal birth for the masses. He was born for me. The government of my life is upon his shoulders. His name is wonderful to me because his miracle power has changed my life. He's my counselor. He fills me with his guidance in all the circumstances of my life. He's the mighty God for me, working all circumstances out for my good, conquering all of my enemies. He's my father. He sent the spirit of adoption into my soul. I've become his son, and Jesus is my prince of peace. In a world rocked by turmoil and confusion, I can rest in his arms of love. I have a place of rest in the arms of God because he came to this earth for me. He's brought peace into my life. Now this was, this was the focus of Martin Luther's message. It could be, be characterized by this verse. We have a personal relationship with a personal God. Here it is in Luther's own words. Check this out. Luther loved this verse. As a matter of fact, I have a, a, a book of sermons, Christmas sermons by Martin Luther. And he, pre- he must have preached one Christmas season for a month on Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 and 7. Every service. He got stuck on that verse and he just, he dug into it and dug into it and dug into it because it is a, it is a bottom infinite revelation of our God. Amen. So, the first thing to learn in this prophecy of Isaiah is that a child is born to you and is your child. Just as we sing a child so praiseworthy is born to us today, we must accentuate the word us and write it large, Luther said. This is what you hear, a child has been born to us. Make the two letters us as large as heaven and earth and say the child is born, it is true. But for whom is he born? Unto us, for he is born, says the prophet. He was not born solely to his mother, the Virgin Mary, nor solely for his compatriots, his brethren and kinfolk, the Jews. Much less was he born to God in heaven who was in no need of the birth of this child. He was born unto us humans on earth. Thus the prophet wants to say to you and to all of us general and to each one in particular, listen brother, I want to sing a joyous song to you and proclaim the joyous news to you. There in the manger at Bethlehem lies a young child, a fine little boy. This little child is yours and he is granted and given to you. It's easy to get caught up in the busyness of life. This verse has a way of centering us. The birth of the Son of God was not a faraway thing that has no relevance in my life. No way. His birth defines my life. He became a man for me. He was born in Bethlehem for me. When I embrace him, he embraces me. His love brings meaning into every part of my life. Sing and shout for joy. A son has been born for us, and his name is Jesus. Now this goes on to say, this, this child was born for us, this child was born for me. And then it goes on to say, the, the government will be upon his shoulder. The government, 
The, the control, you know, government is about control and order and plans. And when I, think of the, the, when I think of government, you know, we think, of course, in an impersonal way, the government of the everything is in the hands of the Lord. But this verse is talking about for us and for me, the government of me, the government of my life, the government of, of every detail of my life, the government of my birth, the government of, of what I was going to look like, the government of what kind of body I was going to have, what kind of skin pigment I was going to have, what my parents were going to be like, what I was going to look like, what color my eyes were going to be, what kind of talents I was going to have, whether I was going to be tall or short, or big hands or little hands, or, or, or if I was going to be able to be, be a, a, a writer or a singer or a, a businessman, whatever the DNA was, the control of all of that of my life is in his hands. My life is totally in his hand. From the first day when I was conceived, when I was brought forth from my mother's womb, when I, when I was born again, when I was 21 years old, when I was called into the ministry, and the day, the final day when I lay my body down for the last time and go to be with him, the control, the government of my life, the government of my life is in his hands. Have you had a revelation of that? Has that become real to you? It will change everything. It'll get the weight off your back. It'll get the worry out of your heart. It'll get the anger out of you because instead of blaming people, you'll just recognize that God has a plan. I'm in the middle of it and I'm gonna rejoice no matter what my life consists of. I'm gonna rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. He's got my life in his hands. He's got my future in his hands. He's got my today in his hands. He's got this week in his hands. He's got my job in his hands. He's got my money in his hands. He's got my health in his hands. I can trust him all the way. The government of my life. Oh yeah, a child was born for me. He became a man for me. He became a man and lived in this, this earth for me. And then he took his, the, the weight of my life and he's carrying it. He's not only carrying the weight of my life, he's carrying me on his shoulders. I'm on his shoulders riding with him through this plan in life. He's an awesome God. And then he goes on, this, this is where we get stuck. His name, woo, his name, his name. The name above all names. Never has there been a name like the name of Jesus. There's never been a name like this name. You can speak his name and demons run for fear and terror. You can speak his name and blind eyes are open and deaf ears hear. You can speak his name and creation is affected by the power in this man's name. He raises the dead. He brings back the dead to life. He causes people to be born again. His, this name is, is power. It's the most powerful name in the universe. It's the name above all names. And Isaiah prophesied, he said, his name will be called, his name will be called wonderful. And the, the word that, that's in the, in the Hebrew text is the word Pele, which means, it's a word that means Supernatural. Miraculous. Everything about his name is miracle. His name is miracle power. The name is power. It's miracle. It's permeated with miracles. Everything about the name of Jesus is wonderful. Oh yeah, when we start to think about this, this time of the year, this season, we start thinking about the birth of Christ, the incarnation. 
The, the God became a man thing. And the, the incarnation of Jesus Christ, God becoming a human being, taking on God, the almighty God, taking upon himself a human body, taking upon himself a crea- part of creation, the creator entering into creation. His birth, his incarnation, celebrated on Christmas Day, is absolutely supernatural. What else can we call it but wonderful? It's wonderful, it's unspeakable, it's unthinkable. John chapter one, verse 14 says the word, the word, the Father's word. The Father has a a, a word, he's expressed his ideas. He's expressed his ideas, he's communicated his ideas in a word. And this word was so powerful, the Father's idea and concept of himself was so filled with power, so filled with infinite power that it was expressed in a person called Jesus Christ who's existed from eternity with his heavenly father. And this word, this revelation of the father took upon himself human flesh. The word became flesh and tabernacle dwelt among us. And John says, we saw his glory. We saw his glory. John said, I saw his glory. I was on the Mount of Transfiguration when the glory of God was manifested. I was there when he raised Lazarus from the dead. I was there when he turned the water into wine. I was there when he walked on water. I was there when he cleansed the paralytics. I was there when he raised a little boy from the widow of Nain's little son. I was there when he changed Zacchaeus' life. I was there when he fed the multitudes. I was there when he walked through the midst of the crowd when they tried to arrest him. I was there and I saw him hang and die. I saw the empty tomb and I saw him after he was raised from the dead. I saw his glory, John said. But I have to join together with John and with the throngs and thousands upon thousands of people from every generation. And I have to say, I cannot lie, I have to say, I have seen the glory of the Lord in my life. Oh, no, I haven't seen his physical body. I haven't seen the physical body of Jesus, but I've seen his glory. I've seen his glory and touched my life and changed my life around and called me into the work of God. I've seen his glory meet us again and again and again. Oh, the word became flesh and tabernacled among us and we beheld his glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. His birth is wonderful. Great is the mystery of this birth. It's unthinkable. You know, how, how could it be? It's, it's, it's like, a, it's like a, a, a playwright has this big play that's going on and suddenly the playwright himself comes walking on the stage. Unthinkable. Unthinkable. The playwright doesn't come out till the play's over. But this creator, the creator of all things, the writer of all things came and became part of his play, became part of the orchestra himself. He walked in the midst of it in the form of a created being, even though he's uncreated. He took on a body formed in a virgin's womb and walked amongst us. We beheld his glory. His birth is unthinkable. His birth is supernatural. His birth is mysterious. His birth is life-changing. Oh yeah, Christmas is an incredible miracle. Don't let Santa steal your Christmas, y'all. And think about the wonderful nature of his ministry. 
Oh, when he was 30 years old, it started. It started. He was baptized in the Jordan River. He was anointed. It says in Acts 10, 38, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. And my friends, it was on for the next three years. He went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. The hand of God was on his life, and everything about him, his preaching, his teaching, and his miracles that he worked everywhere he went was only described by this one word, wonderful. His name shall be called wonderful. He'd come into a town and the town would be revitalized by the power of God. Come into a village, revitalized by the power of God. Come into a synagogue, revitalized by the power of God. Go into a place filled with demons, demons running for their lives. His ministry was wonderful, supernatural. Oh yeah, blind eyes opened, deaf ears hear, the lame leaping for joy. His service were, services were f- packed with the power of Almighty God. People would sit there and tremble under the anointing of God, resting on this man. No one ever spake like this man. No power ever flowed like it flowed through this mighty man from Nazareth in Galilee. His ministry is wonderful. Oh, three and a half years like this world has never seen. Life-changing, life-changing, life-changing. And at the end of those three and a half years, they nailed him to a cross, executed him publicly, and his death can be described by no other word. His death was supernatural. It was wonderful. Christ Jesus, the Lord of heaven and earth, in a human body, chose to lay his life down. They couldn't take his life, but he gave his life. And he was nailed to the cross in my place. place. Christ died for the ungodly. While we were yet sinners, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. His death was, was supernatural. This is the way Paul said it. In 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15, Paul says, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came to the world to save sinners. To save, to, the word save, sozo, to make whole, to make sinners whole. Not only forgive their sins, but change them into different kind of people. His death was wonderful. The death of Christ made it possible for prostitutes to become holy women of God, for drug dealers to become preachers, for thieves to become honest citizens of our world, for lazy gluttons to become productive workers in their, in their preferred job. Oh yeah, the power of God by his death sets this world on its ear. He takes the worst elements of society and forgives them and transforms them by the power of the gospel and makes them into new creatures in Christ Jesus. Paul said, I was one of those. He said, I was, Paul said, I was the chief of sinners. Oh, this wasn't just some literary device that he was proclaiming. He believed this about himself. He believed he was the worst of the lot. Paul believed in his heart that he was the worst sinner that ever lived and that God chose him to show the power of his grace revealed in the gospel spoken through the apostle Paul. He killed and executed Christians. He martyred Christians and he was arrested on the Damascus Road. The death of Christ arrested Paul and he was transformed. Uh, We can't say anything about his death, but this death is absolutely wonderful. Yeah, and it's our joyful, our joyful occupation as Christians 
to be promoters of this message, to preach this message, to tell this story to whosoever will, whoever will take the time and listen to what we have to say, to proclaim this message of all messages, that salvation comes by grace alone, through faith alone. You must be born again, and there's nothing you can do to earn it. This message, this wonderful message of salvation by grace through faith is absolutely wonderful. Paul said in Romans 1, verse 16 and 17, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the gospel because in the gospel is the power of God. It's the power of God for salvation for everyone who believes. So faith awakens in your heart today. Salvation visits your house and transformation begins to take place. He changes your world, not from the outside, but he changes your world from the inside. Righteousness is not something that you do. Righteousness is given to you by grace through faith and it gets on the inside of you and begins a revolution on the inside of your life. Martin Luther said this one statement. He said, righteousness comes from outside of us. Righteousness comes from outside of us. It doesn't come from our hearts. It doesn't come from what we do. It doesn't come from our DNA, from our genetics, because we're all sinners from a fallen race. Righteousness comes from outside of us, alone in Christ, by our faith in him. That's how righteousness comes. So this message, this message that was released through the the coming of our Savior, this God become a man, this God who came and and walked this, this earth and died in our place and who was raised from the dead in our place, who ascended into heaven in our place, this message changes people's lives. Think about the wonderful nature, with the wonderful nature of his resurrection. Who can ever say, you know, there's been people that have been raised from the dead. There were several raised from the dead in Jesus' lifetime. But they, they ultimately died and their, their graves are with us to this day. And their bodies and their remains are still in those graves. But there's something different about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because he was not only raised from the dead, he was the first fruits of what the Bible calls resurrection. His body was resurrected. If somebody comes out of the grave, a mortal body, that's not resurrection. They go back into the body. Resurrection is when you're given a new body. That's resurrection. Christ came up out of the grave after three days. He wasn't the same as when he went in that grave. Oh no, he was in his glorified body, the first fruits of the resurrected sons and daughters of God. He showed us what a wonderful redemption you and I have when he came up out of that grave because how he is today in his glorified state is how I'll be when he comes back the second time. That's our blessed hope. Oh, it's wonderful. I don't have to be stuck in this death doom body for eternity. I'm in it for a few short years and then I get a great escape in an instant in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet with the shout, this mortal shall put off immortality and I'll be changed and transformed and I'll be like him because I'll see him as he is. His resurrection is wonderful. His resurrection is wonderful. But you know, he didn't end it at the resurrection. He ascended into heaven as a man, as a glorified, resurrected man, the first fruits of what we're gonna be like. And he went to the Father and he sat down as a representative of this new race that he's creating. 
representative before the Father. He sat down before the Father. It's absolutely wonderful. Today, Jesus has entered into his heavenly ministry that's been lasting almost 2,000 years as our heavenly advocate, as our heavenly intercessor. He's seated beside the right hand of God. Yes, it says in Hebrews 8, in, in Hebrews chapter 8, verse 1 and 2, now this is the main point of the things we're saying. We have such a high priest who's seated at the right hand of the throne of majesty in the heavens. 